truth and light in fellowship. Our main text comes from 1 John chapter 1. The whole chapter, you can read it for yourself. Particularly famous already, so perhaps you know it. But that we are going to talk about some things in reflection to the text. And I'll start by talking about the art of concealing. The art of concealing that light is one of the things in this universe that just is. It's a mystery. The more we try to answer the question, what is light? The more we find ourselves with more questions than answers. In fact, the ideal question should be, who is light and not what is light? In challenging the church about the origins of temptations, the Apostle James makes it clear that temptations spring from our evil nature. For God is the sole source of light. That means that he is the embodiment of goodness and perfection and what is pure. He says, James chapter 1, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. No variableness. He doesn't change. Neither shadow of turning. He cannot be deceitful, even at one point. That he alone is the sole source of light, the embodiment of what is pure, what is good, what is perfect. And so we as his offspring have the expectation to be the light of the world. That there is an animation of light that comes from the texts of scripture, saints. That we are meant to be the embodiment of goodness and perfection. That we, even though we are imperfect and are being saved, these are the requirements of God, the expectations of God that are upon us. Saints, there is something about light that every man cannot live without it. But at the same time, the human heart loves darkness. Darkness is but the absence of light. In fact, darkness is not an entity at all. It is the space where light does not exist. And so to put it just in a relatable way, we love light to the extent that it can show us around our environment it can show us we can see but not to the intensity that it exposes our desires and habits i'll repeat that again we love light to the extent that it can enable us to see but not to the intensity that it exposes our desires and habits that we deep inside know that true happiness comes from a clear conscience that has nothing to hide, but there is an inherent need to rebel this and to go for the temporary gratification of the dark. We know that we are the best version of ourselves when we are walking in the light and truth, 
indulging in the fragrance of the holiness of God, but we still love the stench of the pig's house, the pig's tie. This was the cry of Christ in Luke chapter 19, verse 42. It's one of the three places where our Savior cries and is crying over Jerusalem after they, just, after they have just sung to him, Hosanna in their eyes, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they put palm leaves on the floor, symbolic of ushering a king to come. But that he with his apostolic heart is able to see their idolatry in their hearts. And that he is crying over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, who knows what is good for her, but still conceals the truth and dims the light. Jesus cried saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. That God hardens the heart that is already hardened. The heart that has already agreed to dim the lights of the truth that God gives it further to debauchery and its own passions. That is Romans chapter 1. The problem with learning to manipulate light is that we use all of our intelligence to find the sweet spot between light and darkness. It is a human problem. This is the problem of the knowledge of good and evil. That we want light our way and not God's way. That was the challenge that faced Adam, that he knew when the wife enticed him, he knew what God had said and he knew who his father was, but he wanted to be like his father, his way. Those were the words of the serpent that he, your father doesn't want you to become like him, which every son wants. If they admire their father, every son wants to be there, like their dad. But the deception of the wicked one was that you can become like your dad, your way. He's hiding some stuff from you. So in the process, Adam discovered the art of concealment. Hiding, ladies and gentlemen, started in Eden. That why is the world seeker and yet it is more knowledgeable? In fact, one of the prophecies of Jesus about the end times is that knowledge will increase. That the problem with knowledge of good and evil is that with such vast knowledge, we are still inclined to evil. Without regeneration, it is a rigged election. You've ever gone to a match that has already been won? It has been determined before it was played that the issues of life springs from the heart and not out of the brain, that we can spend so much time enhancing our brain, becoming as intellectual as we want to be, but we will just be so smart and intuitive in choosing evil and concealing the truth, that the heart of the man is desperately evil, that deep within ourselves we don't have the capacity to choose good. Hence, the need for the seed of the word 
to grow in the desert of our hearts. That word which brings life. Only then will we organically choose good. How do you naturally choose good? Even when you wake up in the middle of, of the night and you're, you're given two choices. It takes a man that has grown in the place of the word of God that it has really changed and transformed him. No matter how intellectual he is, no matter how knowledgeable he is, if he is not regenerated by the seed of the word, he will still choose evil. He will still find very intelligible ways to justify evil. That's why James continues to say about the father of lights in James 1.18 that of his own will begat he uh, uh, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of fast fruits of his creatures that it needed a beget a begetting it needed a reproduction it needed a re a replication of who God is that we may become the light that we may become the embodiment of goodness and perfection our quest for truth is most challenged by ourselves. We can walk our way through systems. We can read books. We can do investigations. We see them on Netflix all the time. But can we handle the truth when we find out about it? Or in this case, who it is about? It's Easter and we have been reading the passages about the cross and resurrection. And we remember Pilate asking Jesus, what is the truth? Perhaps a question that has bothered his mind by reading great philosophers like Socrates, maybe by reading Roman poets and all those things. This is just my imagination, it's not in the text. But that he finds this man that has no fault at all and that is put in front of him to face justice and yet he's proclaiming on the subject of truth that he came to bear witness about the truth. And so I feel the curiosity of a man that is affluent, that has it all, that is well-read. I believe that's why Caesar trusted him to judge a very fertile place like Israel. And that when he's confronted by such a figure of a man that he can't, figure him out. He can't understand what he is. He finds himself in a curious place of asking what is truth. But do we know Jesus' answer? Silence. Why? Because he is the truth. John 18, 38. That men would believe what they want to believe is truth, even when they meet with the truth. That is the tragedy of the knowledge of good and evil. We can be so knowledgeable that we are masters in the craft of concealment. Romans chapter 1, 19 to 25 gives just an elaborate explanation of what we are talking about that every man deep within himself 
knows that there is a God and they know the truth from their conscience. They have seen the evidence of the invisible God. But that deep within ourselves, as it says, we exchange the truth about God for a lie. And we choose to worship the creature rather than the creator. It is a human problem. We are masters at concealment. If it has never found you, even when you are a saint, even when you are Holy Ghost filled, perhaps you are not here with us on earth. You are in a different dimension. But that if you are still in the flesh, you will feel the tension of loving to conceal who you truly are. But we have a hope, brethren. Our main text talks about it. It is a cryptic text, to say the least. It's a strange dynamic or relationship between light and truth and fellowship. That First John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4 speaks about truth. The word of God. That the dimension of truth is the dimension of revelation. That God is not figured out. He is revealed. John is acknowledging that they as the apostles wouldn't know the truth of the word without an initial manifestation. They were not that smart. These happen without the manipulation of any man. That no one can come up with such stuff. It is too original. It is too distinct. It has to be revealed by the almighty God. God likes to define himself. He will not be put in a criterion as Jews would want to put him. You can even use prophecies to try and write characteristics of who we can tell he is. But that you have to wait for him to reveal himself. That's what he tells Abraham. That I am. When, when they ask me who you are, who should I say? Should I give characteristics of, of, of who you are? Should I, you know, explain to them that you are this and this? He told them, I am. I will reveal myself unto them. That if you seek him, he unveils the curtains and you see him for who he is. And even in that, we haven't understood him enough. We have to keep seeking to know him more. That curtains of glory are drawn through times of waiting. We need such an open heart while fellowshipping with God through his logos and his rhema. Or else we will form twisted truths from the word of God. And from our theology and our methods, we may be deceived that we have figured him out. First John 1 verse 5 to 8 continues with a different mystery of light, that the realm of light is the realm of exposure, that after seeing who God is, then can we see who we are clearly. That as we established earlier, we can live in half-truths without the full intensity of light. We can be biased to see the truth of who we are without light. And at the same time, we can damage ourselves because we can't handle the full intensity of the truth of who we are. And therefore, we need the realm of truth before the realm of light. That we can only see ourselves correctly through Christ. That once we see him 
Can we be able to handle the truth of who we really are? Jesus would introduce the truth of who he is before shining the light on the condition of the churches in Revelation. In Isaiah chapter 6, the prophet could only handle the exposure of him being a man of unclean lips because he was first shown the vision of the one on the throne. That God, without a point of reference, introduces himself in Genesis before he shines the light on the formlessness and the voidness of the earth. And so we can establish that the church is being ushered into realms of exposure when we start seeing realms of great revelation. The church of the early 2000s went through shifts in revelation about God. But that I feel that in this later part of this century, it will be a realm of great exposure. And God has already started it, ironing out the pharaohs that have held his people captive. Matthew chapter 16 warns us that Peter got the revelation of who Jesus was or who Jesus is. You are the son of God. And Jesus acknowledges flesh and blood could not, you could not have figured it out yourself, Peter. This must have been revealed to you by the spirit of the living God. Then what happened after that? He got exposed for the Satan in him that wouldn't accept the cross. Get behind me, Satan. Let's be careful when we're entering into realms of revelation knowledge. Either two things will happen. That when, after that, we will be exposed for sure. But our reaction can be in two ways during that exposure. We can learn to live a double life with head knowledge of the word of God, but no transformation in our hearts. Or secondly, we can choose the path of brokenness that may set us on the cross for a while. That may make us feel like we're in Romans 7 again. But the word when we realize the value of transformation that comes from that, the word becomes flesh in our lives. It was intended for revelation knowledge to lead us into a deeper cry for mercy because it brings light. And that light becomes life-giving to us because he exposes us to heal us. I'll finish with First John chapter 1 and 9. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That the term confess there means same language. It means agreement. That when we come into agreement with what God says of our condition, with the background of his revelation, do we have true fellowship with him and others? That fellowship with all vulnerability of light but without the truth of the word of God is a social club, a self-help group. That fellowship with the truth of the word but without authentic friendship that brings the light of confession of our weaknesses and struggles 
becomes religious. True fellowship has both the truth and the light.